This is The World in 10 from the Times of London on Sunday the 20th of November. I'm Jenny Barsby. And I'm Sonal Patel. COP27 ends two days over schedule with the signing of a landmark agreement. I now invite the COP to adopt the decision entitled Funding Arrangements for Responding to Loss and Damage. But critics say it doesn't go far enough. After 12 years of criticism and controversy, Qatar 2022 gets underway. They've got 320,000 people living, going Qataris living there. They've imported 2 million people to you know, build their skyscrapers. So it's a very sort of surprising and unusual place. Two days after it should have closed, COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh is finally over. With what's seen as an historic landmark deal struck, signed by almost 200 countries, agreeing to a dedicated fund to help vulnerable nations hit by climate disasters. Here's the moment it was announced by COP27 President Sama Shukri. The world is watching. I call on us all to rise to the expectations entrusted to us by the global community. I now invite the COP to adopt the decision entitled Funding Arrangements for Responding to Loss and Damage. I hear no objections. It's so decided. Many countries have been demanding a fund for years, and climate scientist and activist Laura Young told us this is an exciting moment. It's the first time it's ever in an agreement, and it means that we now know a bit more about how that money, that vital fund, will actually work in principle. And this is something that people have been campaigning for for decades, and this is something that climate-vulnerable nations are so happy about and it actually this is a real milestone. Despite this not everyone is happy with the European Union climate policy chief Franz Timmermans telling delegates they should have gone further. I urge you to acknowledge when you walk out of this room that we have all fallen short in actions to avoid and minimize loss and damage. We should have done much more. Tom Rivett Karnak is a former senior advisor to the executive secretary of the UN Climate Convention. He told us the biggest concern is, again, gaps in the agreement to cut emissions. There were big pushes this year to get into the text things like we are going to phase out unabated fossil fuels. But behind closed doors, countries pushed back on that, and much of that was not included in the text. And I would say on mitigation, on cutting emissions, this text doesn't actually take us any further than the one we had in Glasgow last year. To Qatar and the most controversial World Cup in history gets underway today. For some, the party has started. I realise when I'm in the opening match, I'm, I'm so excited. I've been here when we got the draw to hold it in Qatar and we were so happy and we've been looking forward to this for many years. 12 years in the making, to be precise. And while for some the focus will be on the football, for others it's more about politics. Protests outside the Qatar embassy in London. Homosexuality is illegal there and there's been widespread criticism over the deaths of migrant workers who've built the stadiums. Ella Knights from Amnesty International. Gianni Infantino is responsible for the World Cup. He dismissed the experiences of, of migrant workers in Qatar and he needs to take responsibility for the human rights abuses that, that FIFA contributed over the last decade and more. Qatar's the first Muslim country to ever host a World Cup and in an extraordinary 
60-minute monologue, FIFA president Gianni Infantino said European nations should look at themselves and their own record. Today I feel uh, Qatari. Today I feel uh, gay. Today I feel... Uh, a migrant worker. At 29 days from start to finish, this will be the shortest World Cup since Argentina 1978. There's quite a pride in Qatar and also in the Arab world more generally that, you know, look, we're doing something that the rest of the world does. Richard Spencer's The Times Middle East correspondent. It's, it's a good thing. I think that there's this huge focus on, you know, the way the workforce is treated in Qatar. On the other hand, I can understand their sense that this is a bit capricious. You know, when we go to a you know, a Formula One race in Abu Dhabi when we go on, you know, holiday in some luxury five-star hotel in Dubai. They've been built in the same condition. The opening ceremony will take place on Sunday afternoon before the first match when hosts Qatar take on Ecuador. The Times of London. On the way, Britain pledges more arms to Ukraine, love letters from Bob Dylan and why no one should lick toads. Donald Trump has been given the green light to rejoin Twitter. The platform's new owner, Elon Musk, tweeted, The public has spoken after a poll found 51% of users supported the move. The former US president, who announced last Thursday that he plans to run for the White House again in 2024, was kicked off Twitter following the US Capitol riots in Washington, D.C. on the 6th of January. Twitter said the decision was due to the risk of further incitement of violence. And speaking at a rally last night in Las Vegas, Mr Trump didn't seem too bothered about rejoining, saying he'd rather stick with the network he founded last year. Truth Social has been very, very powerful, very, very strong, and I'll be staying there, but I hear we're getting a big vote to also go back on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't see it because I don't see any reason for it. Uh, they have a lot of problems at Twitter. You see what's going on. It may make it, it may not make it. Truth Social has taken the place for a lot of people, and I don't see them going back onto Twitter. However, later that evening, a blue tick verified account calling itself at real Donald Trump, 45th president of the United States of America, appeared, and the words he's back were trending in the US. Maybe he's changed his mind after all. Rishi Sunak walking side by side with Volodymyr Zelensky in the snow visiting an exhibition displaying destroyed Russian military vehicles in Ukraine. <laughs> it's the British Prime Minister's first such visit to Kyiv. Very good seeing you. I'll, 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 I'll feature on the phone in yes. the next week. No doubt it won't be his last. Following the meeting, Rishi Sunak pledged to provide Ukraine with a £50 million, that's around $60 billion, air defence package, a deal that includes anti-aircraft guns and technology to counter Iranian-supplied drones. Jonathan Marcus is the BBC's former diplomatic editor. He told Times Radio what impact that would have. A significant amount of money, obviously dwarfed by the huge volume of material and equipment that the Americans are supplying, but certainly on some measures, Britain is the next largest supplier. Mr Sunak's pledge to send more air defence support is exactly what President Zelensky would want to hear at a time when Russian airstrikes have destroyed nearly 50% of the country's energy infrastructure. And here's John Jackson with details of what's happening on the pitch on day one of the World Cup. While the controversy continues off the pitch, the first game of the 2022 FIFA World Cup takes place today between two of the lowest-ranked sides in the competition. 
Hosts Qatar might be the 50th best nation in the world with little footballing history, but their team has been in development since before it was announced they'd host the tournament in 2010, while Ecuador have qualified for the last three finals and will be hoping to make it past the group stages for the first time since 2006. The South Americans are the favourites for this match, but you can't rule out the hosts on their special day. A collection of personal letters written by a young Bob Dylan to his high school sweetheart has sold at auction for nearly $670,000. Penned to Barbara Ann Hewitt between 1957 and 1959, they give a remarkable insight into a 16-year-old Dylan who was still known then as Bob Zimmerman. In some of the letters, the singer writes about changing his name and hoping to sell a million records. To date... He sold about 125 million. In others, he talks about cards, clothes, and music, inviting Miss Hewitt to a Buddy Holly concert. The collection's been bought by the Libreria Lello in Porto, Portugal, which plans to keep the archive complete to be viewed and studied by Dylan fans and scholars alike. And finally, the National Park Service in the US has issued an unusual warning to visitors. Metaphorically, kissing frogs is one thing. Just don't lick toads. Well, the Sonoran Desert Toad, to be precise. They're found in Arizona and are around seven inches long and have glowing eyes, which begs the question, why would anyone lick a toad? Great question. Why indeed? The warning to refrain from licking posted on Facebook was extended to banana slugs and strange mushrooms too. Apparently it's something to do with the toad's skin. It releases a toxin which has psychedelic properties which induce hallucinations and euphoria if taken in the right quantities. The toxins can also kill a dog. You've been warned. You've been listening to The World in 10 from the Times of London for Sunday the 20th of November. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.